You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Tonight, my guests are Sheila Gunn-Reed and Kean Bexty. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show as well as all the other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to premium.rebelnews.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support the Rebel without ever having to spend a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, just like Jason Voorhees and yet another cringeworthy sequel in the Friday the 13th movie franchise, that real-life horror show known as Jonathan and Eve strikes again. This time, the recipient of its violence was my colleague, Kian Bexty, just will you see the footage. Kian will join me to discuss why Yaniv seems to get a free pass when it comes to obeying the law of the land. And hey, remember that 2018 pledge by Ontario Premier Doug Ford that free speech on campus would be protected under a progressive conservative government? Well, Doug, what are you going to do about the pro-life club at the University of Ottawa, which is under attack by the loony left on campus. Sheila Gunn-Reed will have all the details. And finally, letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding my encounter with ex-Don Cherry sidekick, Ron McLean, at a taping of Rogers Hometown Hockey last Sunday in Vaughan, Ontario. It looks like the Rogers suits didn't like the questions I was asking hockey's version of Judas. So they sicked the York Regional Police on me, and incredibly, the cops at Roger's bequest actually broke the law in order to prevent the practice of journalism. Yeah, deeds speak all right. Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. for Rebel News in Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm at the airport right now going to a second assignment after I've had the evening and the night to collect my thoughts following Jonathan Yaniv violently assaulting me outside of a courthouse. For those of you who don't know who Jonathan Yaniv is, he's a radical transgender activist who speaks to young girls in very sexually explicit ways, sending nude photographs to them. He's someone who runs immigrant women out of business because they refuse to wax his big hairy male balls. He's someone who attacks journalists like my colleague David Menzies and just yesterday someone 
food tax journalists like me. You need, will you, will you be pleading guilty? What? No, don't touch me, don't touch me. Hey! Stop! Go away from me! Go away! Fucking hell! Go away from me! Jesus, get away from me, you fucking crazy fucking thing! Get away from me! Get away! Get the fuck away from me! Stay away from me! Get away from me! Now! Right now! You heard me? I'm calling the police on you. I don't give a shit. Get away from me. You stay away from me. I'm backing up. Then go. Don't follow me. Are you pleading guilty to your criminal case? Are you pleading guilty? Do not follow me. Are you pleading guilty? Do not follow me. Are you pleading guilty? That's all I want to know. Go away from me. Are you pleading guilty? I'm outside of the Holy. Wow. The only thing missing is Count Floyd narrating off to the side, howling at the moon while reminding the kids that whatever you do, don't forget to pick up your 3D glasses for the next episode of Monster Chiller Horror Theater. Yes, once again, Jonathan, a.k.a. Jessica Yaniv, is approached in a public space. And yes, once again, this delicate flower freaks out, actually physically assaulting a reporter simply for doing his job. And even though the assault is caught on camera and eyewitnessed by others, where, oh, where is law enforcement? Where are the charges of assault? Or in my case, last August, folks, charges of assault with a weapon? Well, forget about it. Apparently, playing the trans card in Canada these days is akin to receiving the get-out-of-jail-free card in Monopoly's community chest. And with more on this increasingly appalling story, is the recipient of Yaniv's latest physical assault, Kian Bexty. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David, how are you? I'm very good. So, Kian, that was amazing footage you captured while under pressure. But yet again, the question arises, what's the deal with Yaniv? The mainstream media labels this creature as a trans activist, but I think He's a mentally ill con man simply gaming the system. And the system is so immersed in political correctness, he's actually getting his way. What's your take, Ian? I mean, you're, this, this man is out of control, David. Um, I'm, I'm glad it was me that, that was hurt that day rather than the several women that were covering his story. And even then, they didn't come out unscathed. Jonathan Yaniv says he filed criminal complaints with the RCMP against a reporter with the Post Millennial um, for apparently sexually assaulting him in the bathroom, now <laughs> in the women's bathroom. It's stunning. What, like, Obviously, it's untrue, completely, and, and I need to make that clear. And I'm not even going to name the name of the reporter because I feel so bad for her that her name, out of no, she was just blindsided by this creep um, lying absolutely. Who would sexually assault Jonathan Yaniv in a, in a washroom, for goodness sakes? Um, so he, he lies, he manipulates the system. We know that. We know he manipulates the judicial system. We know he manipulates the police. And these guys, they're just not equipped to deal with it. I'm sure they're nice guys. The guy I'm dealing with right now in this in this criminal uh, investigation against Janine for hitting me, he's a great guy. He's so nice. But the, the, the infrastructure of the RCMP and the judicial system is not prepared to deal with the malicious side uh, or, or people maliciously using the trans mask to uh, to to get away with things that obviously are unfair and uh, unjust. 
You know, Kian, I respectfully disagree with you on that last point. I think they are very well equipped uh, to deal with this. I think you judge each individual. I don't care if you're straight, gay, a Martian. You treat everybody the same way in regard to how the law is written. But that is not happening with this individual. There is a political element and there's a political will, I think, behind the scenes that it considers going after somebody who is allegedly trans is radioactive. You got assaulted on camera with eyewitnesses. I got assaulted with a weapon on camera with eyewitnesses. And I'll tell you, Kian, in my case, when I showed the RCMP officer my footage right in the heat of the moment, he said, well, you know, if we, if we press assault charges on him, we're going to have to press um, uh, harassment charges on you. Like it was like horse trading going on. That's not how justice works. I was practicing journalism. That's still legal the last time I checked in this, in this uh, country, uh, Kian. So what I'm saying is, um, if these members of law enforcement would simply man up and uphold the law as they're supposed to, this creature should be behind bars right now. I, I take your point, David. Um, when I say they're not equipped, I mean more that, that they've been put in situations, the beat cops have been put in situations by the higher levels of the force, by the higher levels of the RCMP, and of course in the judicial system, um, so that they're scared to they're scared to say no to a trans person ever in any situation whatsoever, which is totally wrong. You're so right about that. They should be treating everyone the same. They should be treating them as individuals. Yeah. They should be uh, not horse trading charges, especially when it comes to reporters who are just doing their jobs. Um, you're you're totally right about that. And it's the problem is it's so hit and miss. I was lucky that the RCMP officer spoke to me right away. Um, at least has his head on his shoulders. Um, I'm, I'm still, though, increasingly worried that this will go nowhere. Um, you know, it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of, okay, go deliver a statement here. We got to do this first. We got, we need this name. We need this time. And it's just so, it's, they're making it needlessly complicated, it seems. So I'm, I'm so worried. But this, this, because, because this opportunity is so perfect. Yeah. Now, I wish I wasn't hit in this, in the head. I really do. But, if anything good comes out of this, I hope that we can get justice, both for me, of course, I, I, but that's not my primary concern. I hope we can get justice for the other people that Yaniv has victimized, mainly children and immigrant women. If we can get Yaniv behind bars through this, I, I'll take the punch to the head as a win. You know, well, well said, my friend. This is the thing that is really driving me crazy. We know that the BC Human Rights Tribunal, which is the most outrageously far-left liberal progressive tribunal in all of Canada, uh, Kian, they looked at, um, in, in, the, in the matter of three cases, they found uh, Yaniv basically to be so malicious in his pursuit of three of those immigrant women's, uh, women. Not only did they dismiss the case, but they awarded each of them costs of $2,000 each, $6,000 out of uh, Yaniv's purse. So I, what I'm saying, Kian, is that it has been established that this man is a fraud, that he is a charlatan, that he is gaming the system. And even now, after the BC Human Rights Tribunal rules that way, still law enforcement with an assault caught on camera is saying to us, well, what you gonna do, boss? 
This is appalling, Ken, that they're allowing this to happen. You're right. I have to correct you, though. When it's a man with a purse, it's called a merce. Uh, <laughs> you, you should have so pre right you prefaced that, uh, Kian, with Don't ask me how I know this. But anyways, go ahead, my friend. <laughs> um, you, so you're right about the BC Human Rights Tribunal being this crazy leftist organization. And even then, at the end of their decision, they came to pretty much the right one. So I'm hoping that the same thing happens in the actual courthouse, in the provincial courthouse in Surrey, when it comes to the prohibited weapons charges, that's up to six months in jail per charge. When it comes to my assault, if indicted, that's up to five years in prison. So hopefully when an impartial judge looks at this, they haven't been tainted. Uh, they haven't been tainted the way that the uh, many law enforcement have, Langley, RCMP, and uh, it seems like they're just so complacent when it comes to and even. I just don't understand it because it doesn't take a lot to look at what this individual has done to society, to people, to children, to immigrant women, to journalists, and to see how in each instance of any interaction that he's had with another person, it is almost always unlawful. And, and Ken, um, I don't know if anyone has pursued this successfully, but as they say in all stories, follow the money. And I look at this, Yaniv, and he seems to be a full-time complainer and troll. He gets court costs awarded against him. Uh, th this must be taking up so much uh, of his resources, in, you know, pursuing, going into the justice system. Ken, do we know where this individual is getting his money from? I mean, you know, I I'm just wondering how he's able to um, fund being a, a full-time complainer. Uh, so we do know that he has a tech blog uh, that he probably made some amount of money with back in the early 2000s, uh, or late 2000s rather. Uh, and we do know that he owns a condo and his mother owns a separate condo. They don't yeah. live together. It seems like they have a fair amount of property and his father's not in the picture anymore. I believe his father passed away a while ago and I don't know what he did, but my guess is he left them a sizable uh, nest egg to sort of get through things. Unbelievable. What a shame, too, that his mom doesn't live with him. Who wouldn't want to share an abode with that creature? Oh, <laughs> it must just be fun. <laughs> Kian, we're going to keep on this story. Um, sticks and stones are nasty words. It doesn't matter. And we are going to get some justice. This is a vile, despicable, deplorable individual who is trying to literally ruin lives and what's even worse is, is that he is getting aided and abetted by the Human Rights Tribunal, law enforcement, the sheriffs, you name it. We're not going to stand for it. There will be justice one day. My friend, thank you so much, and you have yourself a good weekend, Kian. Thanks, David. And I just want to point out, if, uh, if the viewers go to yanivetrial.com, yes. they'll, they'll be able to see everything, and especially the details of our civil litigation that's coming up. Because not only are we pushing forward in criminal uh, and, and cooperating with those investigations, we're gonna push forward in civil court and make sure that no stone is left unturned when it comes to sticking sticking it to you, uh, Jonathan Yaniv. So uh, it's yanivetrial.com. Yeah, after what he did to you, it's like that Looney Tunes uh, cartoon when Bugs Bunny looks at the camera and just says, of course you know this means war and, and we're going <laughs> to war. Kian, thank you again, my friend. Talk to you later, David. You got it. And that was Kian Bexty in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More to come right after this.
the organization that coordinates clubs under the University of Ottawa's student union, the CVUO, said that Students for Life didn't violate any policies. Okay, great. Free speech for all or free speech for none. It took two years for the university to come to its senses, but here they are doing the right thing, right? Wrong. Friends, this is a university campus and crazies in charge. On October 28th, 2019, after a petition was circulated around campus to block the club's reinstatement, the University of Ottawa's Students' Union unanimously passed a motion from its Interim Equity Commissioner, Judy El Motadi, at their Board of Directors meeting to make the Students' Union stance officially pro-choice. Now, what an ironic name, the Equity Commissioner, when she's silencing people in the name of equity. Anyway, it was evident that the writing was on the wall for the pro-life club because the students' union also drafted an equity code at this very same meeting that targeted them. Reporting that pro-life clubs are under attack on university campuses, well, that's about as newsworthy as stating that there is salt water in the Pacific Ocean. But in the case of the University of Ottawa, there's a new twist. If you can't ban a pro-life club under the current rules, then <laughs> simply change the rules. Oh, and one more thing, folks. Where are the Doug Ford PCs on this file? You do remember that in the 2018 election, they promised about ensuring free speech on campus. Well, Doug, did you really mean that or was this simply a hollow pledge that was meant to appeal to your base during an election campaign and nothing more? And with more on this outrageous story on so many fronts is the host of The Gun Show, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on the show. Always a pleasure. So, Sheila, before we get into the nitty-gritty regarding the egregious ways this pro-life club is being attacked, let's cut to the chase. Is Premier Ford, in your opinion, going to put his money where his mouth was circa 2018? No, definitely not. Um, I'm, I'm cheering for Premier Doug Ford. I want him to do all the things that he said he would do. Um, but from based on the promises he made regarding um, comprehensive sex ed, uh, in Ontario schools and how he's backed that off. I don't think he's handling some of the things going on in the education file very well. And he did promise that schools that did not adopt and then enforce the Chicago principles on free speech would lose funding. And, you know, th this is a prime example where not only did this uh, campus club lose their status, um, but the rules were rigged against them by a social justice student union. Well, two things then on that front, uh, Sheila, because we are talking about the Premier of Ontario. One is, if he went ahead and took away the funding as he promised, A, he's fulfilling a promise that he made, so it's not coming yep. out of left field. B, the vast majority, I wouldn't even say a lot of people on the left who aren't you know, loony, I'm talking about classical liberals that do believe in free speech yep. would support this. That's the first thing. Um, and so actually, let, let me have you comment on that, why you think that he might not fulfill that promise. And the second thing, Sheila, is this, is this Doug Ford not fulfilling the promise or this mysterious, the team 
as you rightly point out, Doug Ford, but all politicians are influenced greatly by the people around them. Um, I would say the same thing about Jason Kenney, and I would say the same thing about Andrew Scheer, that a lot of the decisions are um, outsourced to mm. the team they have around them. And I think that works, uh, you, you know, across the board with all politicians. But this is a campaign promise. He campaigned on this. So let's do it. And if there's not, there could not be a better example of a university failing on free speech principles than this dropped right in his lap. It's so egregious. This little tiny group just wants to have, they're not asking for anything else that that the other groups aren't getting, the other um, events on campus aren't getting. They just want access to be able to rent university facilities and some meager funding that everybody else is getting. That's all they want. They just want to be treated the same. I don't think that this is a big enough issue uh, right now in Ontario um, because there's all kinds of problems with the teachers union that I think this is just going to fall by the wayside as the rights of these pro-life students are trampled on. And really, this is a free speech issue. Uh, pro-lifers, they are often, you know, the, the first ones attacked on campus because campus culture is so overwhelmingly pro-choice. And I, I don't even want to say that it's overwhelmingly pro-choice, but the pro-choice side of the argument is so loud. It's deafeningly loud. And so it's very easy and popular, I guess, for pro-life groups to be censored on campus. It happened at Carleton University. It happens over and over here in Alberta at the University of Alberta. It happened a few years back at the University of Saskatchewan. Um, it happens all the time. But this is a free speech issue. It's free speech for all or free speech for none. Either they are going to extract these mandatory student union fees from students to cover the cost of these clubs, or they are not, and they're going to let the students fund them themselves willingly. But it can't be both ways. And, and Sheila, as I alluded to in my introduction to this uh, topic, um, what is doubly egregious about this uh, is the fact that they, at the University of Ottawa, they basically changed the rules in the bottom of the ninth inning, so to speak, in terms of, you know, pulling a fast one on defunding this club. For those who haven't seen your commentary yet, Sheila, can you give us a little bit of background in terms of what happened to this club in that regard? Sure, it goes actually back to 2017. 2017, in the beginning of 2017, the club applied for their usual campus club status so they could get access to funding and uh, rental space. Um, they were approved. And then about a week later, they got an email saying, actually, no, we've decided that your principles don't align with the student federation. So we're yanking that on you. So the Students for Life then enlisted the help of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms and started a little bit of a legal back and forth with the uh, university. They were reinstated now two years later in the fall semester of 2019. And again, one week later, they get an email saying, well, mm, uh, no, uh, we are, oh, we, the student union now, instead of the student federation, decided to hold this meeting that said, um, we need to declare ourselves a pro-choice school. Oh, and by the way, we are changing the rules retroactively. So now it's just not about 
um, not committing hate speech, but if your group um, basically hurts the feelings of some people on campus, then we are also not approving you for campus club status. So that sort of went through the motions and now um, very recently their campus club status was revoked because the the students union changed the rules on them retroactively. So, I mean, uh, this is really an egregious uh, example of not just a crackdown on free speech, but the system being totally manipulated and rigged by these student unions who are gobbling up fees from students from all political backgrounds, all social stripes, and then using them for only the things that they agree with. The mentality of these self-appointed guardians of the galaxy, when it comes to embracing cancel culture, I've always said to people, if you don't like what you're hearing on the radio, if you don't like what you're watching on TV, change the channel, move on. Why do you have to, why do you have the audacity to say, I'm gonna work as a self-appointed censor and make sure that nobody gets to hear your message? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I don't like the idea that people have to pay for things that they disagree with through mandatory union dues extracted from them. That's why I believe in right to work legislation. That's why I believe that these mandatory student union fees shouldn't be mandatory. You should choose to join your student union or not. But right now, the situation is such that kids are forced to join the student union. They have to pay these fees. And... If that's the case, then it can't just go to one political ideology. It has to be uh, treated fairly. And that's not what's happening here. A hundred percent, Sheila. Anyways, look, a, we've run out of time. A great commentary. I, I think the epilogue here is someone's got to scrum Doug Ford on this issue and say, yep. are you going to abide by your promise or are you going to break your promise? And if you're going to break your promise, why are you breaking your promise? Because people voted for that kind of tough talk and leadership on the free expression issue and to hang those people up out to dry, that is a disgrace. So let's see in, in the days and weeks ahead if indeed Premier Ford addresses this issue. Sheila Gunn-Reed, a pleasure to have you as always, my friend. Thank you, David. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed somewhere in Northern Alberta, where it's very cold right now. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Great, how are you doing? Good, sir. I'm just wondering, how do you feel about the ratings for Hockey Night in Canada plummeting? No, no, uh, no, excuse no, me. No, 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 sir. Yeah, no, my no, wife. No, 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 sir. Uh, since Don Cherry uh, was fired. I wouldn't know, sir. Yeah. Huh? Excuse me. Sir, I'm, not, I'm in a public place. No, 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 Ron, why did you throw Ron under the bus? Please, please, please. Excuse me. I'm in a public place. Hey. Do not hit me. Do it. You just hit me. Huh? You just, just hit me. I'm trying to get around you. You're holding me back. Hey, are we I'm, mad or I'm trying to do my job. No, you're not trying to do your job. You're trying I'm to in a public with... place. Yes, officer. you're not allowed to hit me like that. I didn't hit you. I got it on camera. Okay? Perfect. Are you guys kidding me? It's called me? criminal harassment. This That's is assault. It is. It's called criminal harassment. It's a... what you're doing. So I'm, I'm practicing journalism. This is not journalism. Do you have a journalism pass to be here? Huh? Yes, I do. I have press credentials. No, you don't. See, that's a lie. I'm in a public place. What is this? Are you guys kidding me? No, we're not. No, no, no. This is a private event. I'm on a public street off. You're right. That's a private event. He has a private sector here. 
This is incredible, folks. I got three York Regional Cops. Sorry. We don't want it out there. Are you kidding me? Okay, stop, stop, stop. Are you kidding me? No, we're not kidding you. Huh? We're not kidding you. This is forcible confinement. No, it's not forcible confinement. It is. You're holding me back. I'm on a public street. You were in his face. You're not allowed to be in his face. That's harassment. This is called freedom of the press, officer. You were in his face. He didn't want you to be there. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. It's in, listen. Excuse me. We're, we are under instructions. Let go, go of the microphone. What's your problem now? I don't have a problem. Huh? We're just trying to stop him. We don't have the problem. The what? problem lies with you, right? Why? Listen, I'm not talking into your microphone. I can do that. Listen, listen, you can sit there and film me, but you can't shove the microphone in my face. Okay, then I'll be on my way. No, you won't. Not in here. Are you kidding me? So how do you like them apples when it comes to the censorship slash police brutality file, folks? Apparently, we are at a point in which police on a public street shall forcibly assault and illegally detain a journalist for practicing journalism, all because they want to protect a public figure from being asked insensitive questions? Well, as you just saw, that is what I experienced in Vaughan, Ontario last Sunday at the hands of York Regional Police during a taping of Rogers Hometown Hockey. It was nothing short of a disgrace, not to mention unlawful. Here's what some of you had to say. Ron Grumeth writes, Canada no longer has freedom of the press. That is, if the press isn't popular with the Liberals. Well, you got that right, Ron. While the progressives love to trumpet the diversity is our strength mantra, apparently they draw the line when it comes to a diversity of opinions. Banal Trogacci writes, Minority Report, Canada edition. Yeah, you know, that pretty sums it up, uh, Banal. By the way, folks, if you haven't seen the 2002 Tom Cruise film, Minority Report, which is being referenced here, I wholly recommend it. It's a chilling story set in the near future in which law enforcement has a department called the Pre-Crimes Unit. Aided by some clairvoyance, the police officers in the Pre-Crimes Unit go about arresting people who have yet to commit any crimes. Now, it might look good on paper, except for one not so insignificant hitch, the clairvoyants are not 100% accurate, meaning innocent people are being incarcerated. What you just viewed was essentially the pre-crime unit of the York Regional Police Service enacting brute force against someone who was not committing any crime whatsoever, but might commit a crime in the future? And apparently asking Ron McLean hard questions is now a criminal act in York Region? <laughs> Scary. Lucky Irishman writes, it's time to start suing them. Well, all I can say here, Lucky Irishman, is stay tuned. There's more to come on this story, much more. And yes, it does involve our legal team. Not even police officers are above the law. And what those goonish cops did that night was definitely against the law. Rooster to Crow writes, not watching Ron McLean anymore. Hey, you're not the only one, Rooster. That was indeed the news peg that brought us to Vaughn in the first place. Namely, the numerous ratings for Hockey Night in Canada were released recently. And guess what? Ratings have taken a nosedive since Don Cherry was fired. Hey, what's that saying again? Get woke, go broke. And finally, A. Smith writes, 
McLean is a weasel. Uh, Mr. Smith, how dare you malign the weasel community? But seriously, that was actually going to be one of my questions, Ron. Namely, how does he feel about the fact that the three most common nicknames he now has on social media are, yes, weasel, along with Judas and backstabber. But how sad that this particular weasel Judas backstabber seemingly has the resources of an entire police force to protect him from questions he doesn't want to answer. You know, I know Rogers Communications is a big and powerful company, folks, but it is amazing that they can enlist law enforcement to provide personal security for their employees. Holy Robocop, Batman. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.